So it is not an easy road to take to confess your honest and most true self, but I believe that in that is where your greatness lies, is in that self-acceptance. Believe that you can do it. Visualize that you can do it. Start writing your affirmations. Prepare, Google, seek out as many people that will lift you up and not bring you down and hold you accountable and you can accomplish anything you want. Truly go through the work and forgive, but you have to start with yourself. Mm. Because if you don't forgive yourself and you start forgiving everybody else, then you're gonna still stay stuck. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. My mission is to help you crush your self-limiting beliefs and embrace being unapologetically you. The Born Unbreakable podcast brings you inspirational stories from all over the world that will empower you to unlock your unbreakable spirit. I'd love to partner with you on your next breakthrough. Go to bornunbreakable.com to schedule a free transformational call. Action begins today. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I'm your host, Coach Des. And believe it or not, we have made it to episode 150. So I feel that's kind of like a nice round milestone number. Um, so my guest today, Bill Murphy, gets to kind of celebrate in that with me. Uh, but what more importantly than the number, I think, is the topic of what we're covering today. You know, I learned about Bill's background and I felt that he was so aligned with what this podcast stands for. Obviously, we all know you, you came here because it's called Born Unbreakable. So there's probably some inspiration that you're looking for coming here. But I was inspired by Bill because he has an interesting story of growing up in a toxic and abusive environment and really being able to overcome that. And it's pretty exciting because I know I've been talking about a book um, coming out and Bill's actually come out with a book. It actually came out. It was last year, right, Bill? October. October 2022. Yeah. Um, and his book, uh, it resonates so much with me. It's called Thriving in the Storm, Nine Principles to Help You Overcome Any Adversity. And so um, I'd love to, you know, dig into that. But I just want to welcome you all the, all the way calling in from Massachusetts today. So thanks for being here with me. Thanks for having me, Coach Des. It's uh, an honor to be on your show. Can't wait. Yeah, no, this is really great, you know, but I, I'd love to jump in and learn about your story because anytime I hear of, you know, gr growing up in a challenging environment, it, it always makes me think, you know, you, and, and I, I know you believe this, you, you have a few choices. You know, I know, I know part of your, your messages is you can either, you can fall victim to the environment that you, you know, struggled in for a while you can just survive or or you can thrive and i think thriving is is where you ended up but i know it's not where you began so maybe you could take us back and tell your story yeah you, you know growing up you, you know it was just i felt like you know it was a lower middle class um area in in worcester massachusetts and central mass and it was you know, I didn't know any better. I just felt like my hand of cards was a little light, you know, compared to my friends. And I'm like, whatever, you know, I just, I couldn't stand being home because it was the ridicule, the shaming, the beatdowns, and, you know, made to feel less than. 
So I used to like to go to my friend's house and, you know, their dads would coach football and baseball and would play pond hockey and would, would do all the things and hang out. And I would just want to be out of that house and around my friend's families as much as I can, because I didn't want to be home subject to that. So I just said, you know what, they have it better than me, but I'm happy for them. I just need to be out of my own house as much as I possibly can. So that's, that was kind of the, that was kind of the dynamic. And I think that at a young age of six, seven, eight, nine years old of being happy, being out and doing other things was already the ingrained way to thrive. Now, a lot of, and, and you can't blame a kid for, for not doing that. Right. It just, I just, I guess I got lucky and I figured it out, but, but a lot of us will stay victim and down and out and cower and that that can lead to you know so many other other issues um, in life when you are made made to feel less than constantly, um, and so I, I I just knew it was a little bit worse, but it was okay to be out, you know. Yeah. Oh. But I I, I mean psychologically, you know, when when you're young. It's nice that you felt fortunate to have friends that you could go to where maybe the environment felt a little different because I think in some cases people feel like that there is nowhere really better, you know, to go. And that's part of the struggle, right? Is like you're, you're looking for better and better doesn't exist. So then, then what do you do? Um, so then, you know, fast forward, what, you know, what are some of the things then that you decided to make intentional decisions about to not, you know, sort of say, stay stuck in the things that you observed? What, what were the influences that you had? Well, again, so it was family, uh, friends, families, um, you know, my mom, my mom certainly tried her best. I had a young, you know, I had a sister. She was a, she was a year younger than me. She, she, she followed the same footsteps, although she wasn't a subject to as much of the abuse, but yet there was, there was still some, it was more of, I can, you know, I can, I can beat on the boy more than I can beat on the girl type of thing. And, and that was, that was how it, it was. And I was okay. Um, so just, you know, like even at a young age, I was like, you know what, if I can get out of the house as much as I can, like I'll do, I need to get involved in sports. I need to get involved in after school activities. Like I got perfect attendance in school. It's not because I like being at school it's because I, I, I hated being at home more than being at school. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, <laughs> so like my friends would kind of pick on me, like you never take a day off of school. And I was just like, I just don't want to be home. <laughs> And a lot of kids, a lot of kids want to. So I learned not to be sick when, and to this day, I don't get sick. So maybe it's a good a byproduct of the abuse. I don't know. But, and I, I say that half kiddingly, but I figured out if I'm going to be sick, I need it. And I used to say, suck it up. Now I, I change that. I, I need to get through it and persevere. If, if I'm not feeling well, you still got to do, you still got to do the tasks. You still got to do the things. And that's when a lot of us pull the, pull the sheets over our head in the morning, we hit our snooze button, you know, five or six times because the circumstances aren't, aren't ideal for us in that time. So we're like, you know what? 
I'm going to talk myself out of this task. I'm going to talk myself out of getting up early. I'm going to talk myself out of these goals. I'm going to talk myself out of these things because I have adversity in my life. So, I, you know, that's when we see that's the victim mentality or the victim mindset. So you can't be a circumstance. You can't be a victim to your circumstances. Don't let them identify you. Right. So the next level is taking that to, you know, survive survival. And that's everybody. I don't say that's a majority of the people that we say hello to in the street. Hey, how are you? Getting by. I'm okay. Surviving, right? They even tell you they're surviving, right? How about you're great? How about you're you're just on top of the world? Like, you know, maybe people will stop and, and ask you about it. But what we do is we're so busy, we just keep passing by, knowing that whoever just told us that they're getting by and surviving, they're doing okay, aren't probably in a good place. So we don't, we don't, we don't take the time to figure that out because we're too busy ourselves. And it's just it's the norm. So when things are coming at you, so you're going to say, oh, Bill, this is a bunch of crap. When, when adversity hits, it's, it's, it's normal for us to grieve. It's normal for us to lay down. It's normal for us, you know, to, to um, not hold our commitments. Fine. You want to grieve. You want to go through the process. That's fine. But get out of it as fast as you can. And how can you do that? So if you have feelings of despair, sadness, hostility, anger, depression, what, what is your physiology like that coach does? What is your physiology? Like, are you pitting your stomach? You, you might have the chills. You might not, you don't feel good. Right. You, you have, I, you know, I think about that cause I think about the times that it was me. <laughs> so you, low energy, no, no desire to, to interact. Um, no, no motivation. You know, it's, it feels like, it feels like the, it's a lot just to, get yourself ready and get out the door. You know, right. that's so what let's, let's flip that. Okay. If you, if you just for a second, you're in those, dis, in those moments of despair, can you say, you know what? I have gratitude. I have gratitude for my wonderful career. I have gratitude for my wonderful kids, my family. I'm so thankful for this job that I have. I'm so thankful for the friends that I have in my life, the roof over my head, the air I breathe. Whatever it is. Now, what's your physiology? What's happening there in your physiology? You start to feel better. You make you start to feel peace, mm -hmm. joy, happiness, um, appreciation, right? So what happens to your physiology then? Yeah, you 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 feel more uplifted, more encouraged, more hopeful, you know, and and, and I do I do think that produces the a will, a will to to persevere. And, and to maybe just try, try something different and, and go, go at it, go at something maybe even again. So this, you're absolutely right. Thank you for playing along with me. But so if our feelings can make us sick, mm. can our feelings and emotions make us better? Oh gosh, absolutely. I, so I think you just you just named the feelings about alive and zest for life and and wanting to accomplish things, right? So now you naturally will physically feel better. And and if you were gonna battle some some immune situation, you're gonna have a you're just gonna build up your tolerance towards that, and then you can stop yourself from being sick because if you lay in those negative low level emotions, you will make yourself sick over time. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of people get sick. 
Yeah, I was just I was just thinking the same thing. You it's like you can build your immunities right based on on how you show up every day and I've seen people get to a place where they're starting to get sick and I I visibly observe more sickness based on the attitude that they decide to adopt like you know almost a sense of it's expected like doomsday uh you know and and therefore they they don't take action and i think in action you're not moving your body you're not giving yourself anything to look forward to and so that state of of lack mm. actually creates stagnation absolutely so you're manifesting you're manifesting that illness sickness that that troubled spot in your life you're creating that to even spiral more so than it already has. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's important. Hey, listen, go through your process, go through your situation, whatever it is, feel it, identify it, be aware of it, but get out of it as fast as you can. Now life, life happens, right? There's death, there's, there's breakups, there's all kinds of things, sick kids, there's all kinds of things that happen. But if we can get through it, after our grieving period, if we can get through it after our awareness and our, our identification period as fast as we can and not let that be the reason that it keeps us down and out for a prolonged period of time, we're going to be much better off and be able to be so much more productive and accomplish way more things if we can do that. And, and that, you know, that's where the thriving mindset comes in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk more about goals. Like how in your book, I know you, you probably mentioned some of them here. Yeah. Is what inspired you to, you know, zero in on some key, some of these key things? What was your inspiration for the principles that you share? So we're all capable of way more than we ever thought possible. No matter what your, your God-given talents are, you're capable of more if you have, if you have that desire. So, so here was my deal. Like I always struggled with, um, I would just outwork everybody, but I didn't, I wasn't the most talented on the field. I wasn't the most talented athlete. I wasn't the most talented or gifted academically. I, you know, I would, I would be the one that would study for a test for six hours and get an 80 and everyone, all my peers would be like, I didn't study at all. And I get a hundred and, and you'd be like, Oh, that's you, you know? So 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 we're all capable of way more than we think we are and we have to figure out what our unique our unique talents and gifts are so that was that's where i kind of went and in 2000 in 2019 the reason how i got into figuring out the book is i i've, I've done a bunch of marathons and i was doing the, the boston that year and while i was doing it it was one of those years i think it was my fifth marathon and i was just like taking it for granted I mean, I trained, but I didn't, I didn't fuel, right. I didn't take my nutrition in. I didn't do some of the things I did where you mentioned you lived in Boston. So you know how new England weather can be. And it was a April, April, Monday, uh, Patriots day. And the weather was raining sideways and 35 degrees to start. And then it warmed up to mid sixties and sunny. And then by the time I finished the marathon, it was, it was, it was like back into the low forties and raining and windy and all kinds of, I think they might even been hail and sleet or whatever. And it was, it was just a miserable day. And, 
I remember that I was just, cr I was cramping up and I was so angry with myself for not preparing the right way, fueling wise. And, and I actually decided, and I was thinking about a mental toughness. I say mental toughness is going to get me through this because I really do want to quit. And I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep persevering, even though I could hardly, I was so cramped up. I was walking every mile on the mile for, from 15 through 26. And I decided right then and there, I said, you know what, I'm going to try an Ironman because I, I can't fathom how somebody can swim 2.4 miles, bike 112 miles, and then run that marathon afterwards. She so said, you know what, I, I, I need to do this. I need to do this for myself because shame on me for not preparing for this thing, but I want to take it to a step, step further. And I was always in awe of people that have done Ironmans. And so I, I decided that I wanted to do it. I started Googling it, how long to train, and I was going to try to do it in the year 2019. So it was six months I had to train to do, do an Ironman. And everybody said, there's no way you can do this. You cannot do this. There's not enough time. You haven't been swimming. I didn't swim in 30 years. You, you don't have a, you don't even have a bike. And I was like, well, I'll get a bike. So like, I haven't done any training other than the run. So the run, I was okay. But the, the, the swimming and, and, and the biking, I hadn't done. So then I found a, a rookie coach that she just got certified. She's like, you know what? I'll help you. I'll work with you one-on-one -on -one and we'll figure this out. She says, you know, you you just have the right mindset to do this. And if you follow the program, we'll get it done. So the anxiety that was overtaking me during my, the first two times I jumped in the pool, I, I, I actually jumped out of the pool, sat on the edge and said, I can't do this with the anxiety was just a riddled my body. So you want to talk about low levels of, the, of emotions. And you know what? You know what put me back in the pool was I told my kids, I said, I'm going to do this Iron Man. And like, dad, you're crazy. You, you know, you struggled with the marathon, you know? So, um, and I was like, you know what? I told them I was going to do it. So that declaration was something that I said, you know what? I may fail, but I'm not going to quit. So let's go. And then I just, I stayed with the swimming routine. And then, and, the, and even with the bike, getting fitted for the bike that first week, it was so embarrassing. Like I pretended like, Hey, I'm going to do an Ironman. I'm telling all these people like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so they put me on a the bike. They clipped me in. They see right around the parking lot, see how it fits, all sorts of stuff. I come back and I couldn't clip out and I fell right over right in front of like five people at the bike shop. And then I wanted to quit then too and throw the bike into the woods. But I, you know, I, I stayed, I stayed with it. So six months later, finished this Ironman. But when I get down there, so the feelings of unworthiness and doubt, and I'm like, what am I doing with all these incredible athletes, all these people that master this sport? And, and I'm down here. I'm feeling like I do not belong. And then I just I had to I had to tell myself I trained. And I prepared as much as I possibly could to be ready for this. And they're just human beings just like me. So let's go. Right. And so. I had to take on that mindset, even though I was feeling so, so unworthy. And that's how this whole thing started with, we're all capable of way more than we think we are. You know, people come up to me and say, hey, I could never do an iron, uh, uh, not even an Ironman. I could never do a half a marathon. I could never do a 10K or 5K. So let's start with a 5K. Let's move up. To, there's so many people I've coached over the years. They start with a 5K. I could never do this. Let's go to a 10K. Let's go to a, a half a marathon. Let's go to a, a full marathon. And they, they have this breakthrough, but they were telling themselves, you have to break that pattern of your negative self-talk and holding yourself back. Believe that you can do it. Visualize that you can do it. Start writing your affirmations. 
prepare, Google, seek out as many people that will lift you up and not bring you down and hold you accountable and you can accomplish anything you want. I'm just so blown away because I'm listening to your story going like, jumped into the pool, haven't done that in years, got onto a bike, fell over. I mean, that's that's everyone's life, uh, right? Like it's a metaphor for the stuff that happens constantly to us and it is absolutely a choice. And I think, you know, one of the motivations that is inspiring listening to you is this commitment um, and this also example that you're giving to your kids. And you got to appreciate the honesty of kids too, right? Of like, oh yeah. You're crazy dad like what are you thinking you know but it's it just there's there's so much in your story to be learned from because i i think it is it's such a metaphor for like every single reason why we choose not to do something because it's an easier path to choose yeah. you know? but then we don't we don't get that growth we don't get the the resilience you know and we don't and and then you and you give up and you always wonder and you always you know go go back to that second guessing yourself and I, it's funny because i just i just uh recorded this podcast episode um it and and it's about it's the one beat that that would come up before this one and it's about letting go of your past identities oh yeah um and i think that we attach, we attach to those because you could you could hang on to every time somebody told you that you were you're not capable. What are you thinking? You're yeah. not athletic, or you're you know you're not the academic one. You're not yeah. the outgoing one. Like how are you going to speak on a stage? Like that's not even who you are. But I think that we we get to choose who we are. <laughs> I yeah. think we get to shed those old stories that no longer serve us just because at one point you were a shy person or you were maybe a, a not an athletic person. I mean, I, 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 we hold on so much to those that I think it can become debilitating when you don't learn how to evolve past some of those things that have been placed upon you or that you've placed upon yourself. Absolutely. Um, and to talk about your past identities. So the first chapter in Thriving in the Storm is make peace with your past and what, what that means. And, and it's, it's a very, really vulnerable place is what, what that means is remember when we started talking that I said, you know, I didn't, I just knew I had a little bit worse, right? Mm -hmm. So the making peace with your past, and we talked about low levels of emotions and what that does to us. So making peace with your past is forgiving, first of all, yourself for anything that has happened to you. And if you can take that a step further, and maybe there's a process, maybe it's grieving, maybe it's therapy, maybe it's, you know, whatever you need to do. If you could forgive the person that, that, that hurt you along the way and not only forgive but you send that person blessings. Now we're getting way ahead of ourselves. And you'd be like, that's crazy. I will never, ever. Well, guess what you're doing by the never, ever? You're holding all of that in and you're going to stay stuck in some area. You know, I just read something by, by a therapist that, that I know and she wrote this great blog and it was um, past trauma 
uh, physicalities lead to chronic neck pain and back pain and all all this stuff because it it stays stuck inside of you. And I thought it was I thought it was a brilliant a brilliant blog on that subject. But think about it. Think about when you're able to forgive. How much relief, like truly forgive, not just surface forgiveness, but truly forgive. How much relief do you get? Don't start forgiving everybody and, and, and you get a forgiveness card and you get a forgiveness card. Like truly go through the work and forgive, but you have to start with yourself. Mm. Because if you don't forgive yourself and you start forgiving everybody else, then you're going to still stay stuck. So start with yourself and begin there. Do that work. Write it down. Journal it. Whatever you need to do. Now forgive. Forgive the next person that you feel ill will do. Because here's the thing. If you start wishing karma, and I hear this all the time, karma's a B. Karma's, that person's going to get karma. You know, like all that stuff. Like, what does that do to you? You're going to get struck by lightning. Because, and I, and, and I say that proverbially, right? It's, it's you, you need to let go of that. The universe will take care of what it needs to do. You take care of yourself. If you can, if you can forgive, work on the sending blessings thing and watch what starts to happen to your, your own physiology. Watch what starts to happen with your, with things that may have kept you stuck. Like maybe you'll start sleeping better. Maybe you'll start getting rid of some aches and pains. That relief will help you have that, have that thriving, thriving ability when mm -hmm. you're able to make peace with that past that you had. Start with yourself, then move on to the others. Gosh, it's that's it's so profound because at, when we first started the conversation, the thought that was running through my head was, how did Bill get to a place of forgiveness? Because when you when you you know grow up in an environment that is less than ideal, even just a little less than you know someone else's. Uh, how, how you go through that process of anyone that contributed to that toxicity of, of going, okay, I'm, I'm at this place where I can say I've learned from this, I've become a better person from this. Like where, where do you begin with that process? Like what did that look like for you? Yeah. Um, I, I didn't do this, but one, one of the things, you know, it was so bad and it's, I'm almost embarrassed to say, you know, how I felt as a kid, but I'm just going to lay it out there. Right. So my dad was a fireman and in Massachusetts and, you know, firemen have these schedules and their schedules are to, uh, you know, work two days on, get three days off work three, two nights and two days off, whatever it is. So like I knew my dad's schedule a year out because I knew when I could be home and not be home or, you know, where I could avoid as much as I could. And it was euphoric in the house when he was working. And, and so what I used to do as, and it's just forgive me for thinking this way, but I used to wish he would die in a fire every day. He, he was working as a kid. I didn't want him to come home. Mm. Like I was the kid that rooted for my parents to get divorced and like that was that was unheard of, and and my sister and I used to kind of have we had the same thoughts. We just wanted my mom to get out of it, and it was it was. I look back on that and be like, 
that thinking as a as a kid, I thought that way because it would have served the family. It would have served the family better. Um, but there's the 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 forgiveness started, you know, over the years. I took psychology for the only reason is to understand why I had it so messed up and why my dad was so mean to me. I and then I had to end up getting a master's in counseling psych to understand why my dad was messed up and mean to me. It's like I wanted to understand. So I'm so I, I, I'm I'm so fascinated and and I try to not try to, but I profile people on what makes them tick and why they're gonna tick and pr- try to predict where where things where where things are gonna go. There's this test, and I took it when when I um went through my own therapy, and it's called the um ACE test. It's the adverse childhood experience test. And I actually I checked myself into a facility a week after my Ironman in 2019 because I knew I was depressed, right? And I never admitted it all these years. I grew up that way and I swept it, I swept it under the rug. And I said it was anxiety. I always said it was anxiety because like, you know, if I used the word depression where I grew up, I'd be fighting everybody. Oh, you're depressed? Oh, you're soft. There's there's all the choice words for being soft. Like you, you're gonna fight. You, you're gonna you're gonna throw down. If you're depressed because you're weak, there's no crying, right? And that's what that's what I grew up with. So when I'm checking myself in in my late 40s and into this place, I take this test, this ACE, ACE test. It's Everest Childhood Experience. The 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 uh, clinician says, Bill, you should be dead or in jail statistically based on this te- these test scores. He said, what you what you scored statistically, your um, a gangster, you're into drugs, you're, you're uh, an alcoholic, you're porn addicted, you're um, a gambler, you're an obsessive compulsive eater, you're like all these things, dead or in jail, right? And so what I did was I turned to workaholism and just extreme sports. And so it that has its own consequences, but it's probably the path of the least evil, if we're going to call that, right? But it, but it had consequences, like misstepped in relationships and misstepped in a lot of areas. I carried angst around my kids for years, like I, attention. Like I bring my work home with me every single day. I work 80 hours a week. Like I would, I would do all these things. Yes, I wasn't, I wasn't a gambler or yes, I wasn't addicted to drugs. I didn't do those things. And so it appeared like my success on the outside, everything was swimmingly good, but it was it was very painful. So I had this, this incredible year in 2019. I did this Ironman, these, all these things in a career year, you know, income-wise and, and production-wise. But yeah, I'm checking myself into a facility, admitting I'm depressed, scoring this, this on this ACE test. And then I leave there and they tell me, they diagnosed me with PTSD. And, and so we're talking about unworthiness, right? So, so I'm like, PTSD. Come on. I said, I wasn't in a war. I'm not a warrior. I'm not in combat. Those that's for soldiers. I'm not a soldier. Bill, what you went through was the equivalent of what all that is. It's, it is post-traumatic stress. Right. And, and I said, well, I'm not worthy of that. So I was even using the unworthiness card because I, I didn't feel like that should be, that should be a label 
on me. And I had to deal with that um, for a while before I figured it out. So what I realized, what, what I was missing is we talk about self-forgiveness. And, and I think I started it there. Hmm. But learning to love your younger self for all the things that you went through, for all the things that happened to you. And as long as you can forgive and love or love and forgive, however order that needs that needs to come, you're going to set yourself up for healing. And then then you can thrive. Um, so that was a that was a huge process. Oh, my gosh. I like my own emotions were just totally, go, you know, going all over the place inside as you're describing that, because it really is a journey of mm -hmm. self-reflection and self-acceptance when you have that depth of recognition. Because like you said, later in life, you want to be known for, you know, having it together. And when you do something like check yourself in, it's like, wait, isn't that the opposite of what's supposed to be happening right now? But I think what happens, uh, because I can relate to you, is mm. that you're, we that process of self-acceptance self takes so long because there's this resistance that's within us. Um, because I suffered the same exact thing that you're talking about, where people look at you and go, look at your accomplishments, look at what you're doing. But my relationships suffered because every time something would go wrong, I would just go further and further into work. That mm. was my way of coping. Is like I can't. I feel so out of control in my ability to make things better in relationships that I, the only thing I felt I could control were things that had like timelines attached to them, work products, outcomes, helping other people, clients. You know, if I could help other people achieve success and I could do these goals, then that would just be a reflection of my ability to move forward. But it was it was a coping mechanism, and I think that's um, it's its own suffering. But I think it's masked, and that's why it's so difficult for people to see people like you and I who had these sufferings because they look like one thing on the outside, but they feel like something totally detrimental and devastating on the inside. Yeah, it's so true. It's that, like everyone said, you know, Murph, Murph, you got You're on top of the world, man. You just, you do this, you do that. You have this, you have this, you, you know, it's, it's like, Hey, I was living with depression my whole life and I, and you didn't know it, you know, and that's when we, we started this conversation earlier when people say surviving, getting by, you never know what's going on with somebody. So if it's somebody really close to you or somebody you care about or whatever, or if you have the time really check in, just ask him, ask him like, are you doing okay? Really doing okay? Like, especially if you could see, I'm, I'm good. And they're looking down at the floor or you could read, you can read someone's facial expressions. If you just take that time, I'm guilty of it. I have to stop myself. I'll probably say hi to five people. And maybe one, I'll realize like, Oh boy, I mean, I should have stopped and asked like, you know, so it's, you know, we, especially with our close family and friends, I mean, and colleagues, I mean, you really want to stop and really check in on people because you might, you might save somebody from themselves. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It is amazing how just that extra attention and care goes such a long way because we have a tendency to have these surface level interactions, right? It's, it's not bad. It's normal. Fine. Yeah. Fine. There's so much behind that, right? 
I mean, I'm guilty of just checking on my kids and, and, and the only text. And I'll be like, how are you? Fine, good, whatever. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, shoot, I bet, I better, I better check in. You know, I better, I better, you guys really okay? Everybody okay? You you good? Like what's happening? What was your, you know, what happened today? Like those kinds of things, like I'm guilty. So like, we're not, we're not blaming anybody, but if you can just bring that to your awareness and forefront of your mind, just a little bit, practice it every day. It'll make you feel better for checking in on somebody too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where, you know, as, as you mature, you get better at reading things and not just what someone says, but how they, how they behave. Like yeah. you said, their, their affect, their physical things. And it was, is really interesting because when I was going through a uh, certification to become a coach, there's so much that you do in training that has to do with just not talking, yeah. <laughs> observing. And there's so much, so many things that you pick up. That you, I'm not that you're not aware. I just don't think that you're as focused on it. The fact that somebody isn't making eye contact, the fact that they're fidgeting, um, that there's, you know, the the quiver in their voice, the the you know the yeah. the pause in in communication. There's there's all these little nuances that um, you pick up on that help yeah. you to become a better communicator. And 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 maybe too, it's because when you've been in a position where you're hoping that someone is paying attention to you, you learn how better to pay attention to somebody else. In time. So, so true. Like, you know, I, I, I coach as well. Um, and I, it's, it, it's really start out designed to just help people with their numbers to coach them up on their production. I never start off any conversation. You know, we say, we say, what's going on with you? What's, what's happening in your mind? What's happening with your family? What's happening? Like, how are you? Because I, I had a coach years and years and years ago. He's like, I don't care about your family. I, you know, and, and he wasn't, he was a yeller, but he wasn't, he was just, he was, he was just being real, right? He, this is how, this is how he got, num- that's how he got his numbers for everybody. I just care about your numbers and what we, we what our goals that we set and you hitting those things. And if I ha- get you to hit those things, then we're doing th- then we're doing it right. And I used to think to myself, like, I'm kind of in a funk right now. Can we un- can we can we um, take these layers back a little bit? Like, but I'd never say it because that would be kind of soft of me. Right. So so you just plow through it, plow through it, plow through it. But what that's going to do is it's going to come out in all the areas that's going to. Yeah, you may you may jam your numbers. You may you may work extra hard on prospecting. You may try to get new clients. You may do those things for business as you, as, as much as you possibly can. But then, you know, your will, will life has a flat tire because you're missing it in so many other areas of your life. You're missing it with your family. You're missing it with your relationships. You're missing it with your spirituality, maybe your, your, your physical wellness, like you're missing it, but yeah, you're hitting your numbers. We need, we need to a, a whole life wellness plan because if we're not right in our, in our mind or our, our physical body, then we're gonna, we may plow through some things here and there, but we're gonna fall flat on our face eventually. Whether that leads to, you know, self-medicating or, uh, you know, self-abuse or whatever. It could just, it's gonna, it's gonna end up in a bad, or a heart attack. It's just gonna end up in a bad place. Mm-hmm. So you gotta take care of your own, your own physical um, and mental well-being being before you get into any numbers and, and, and figure out what's got you stuck. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's like you can't take a bandaid approach, you know. Of just be, you know, and and it's it's like you try to cover a hole and then it's, it's leaking somewhere else. Like the whole thing is not going to work if you don't, you know, fix, fix the holistic self. But yeah. 
I am curious because, you know, you, you, you did talk about the athleticism, which I think is so cool, you know, you getting into sports, but you did mention that was something you gravitated to young and obviously it manifested itself into, into this, but you also then got into the mortgage industry. Yeah. Doing that, like what, what led to your desire to, to get into that industry? Well, no one in the mortgage industry will ever tell you as a little kid they dreamed about being in it because there's nothing sexy about it as a little kid. You want to be a fireman, a policeman, a baseball player, a football player. You want to be in the NFL. Like you want those kinds of things. So the way that started is I told you I got my master's degree and I ended up working in a juvenile lockup and I was counseling these kids. And they were they were hardcore, hardcore kids with some serious crimes. And so I would I, I was what's called a guard and also a counselor. And so I would like work with these kids. I get really close with these kids. And that's what that's as a counselor, that's a kind of a problem. But I would like because I'd be wanting them to do better. I want them to get out there and be productive. And and then the next thing you know, they get out and within one week, they're either gangbanging and get shot. They're shooting somebody else or getting killed. Somebody got killed. Whatever. And, 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 or, or even, you know, the sex offenders, you know, they'll, they'll commit their crimes. Like just awful stuff. I said, I'm burnt out five years. I'm in my 20s. I'm done. I went out to California and we, we talked about this earlier off here. And I was getting into the California Highway Patrol. And so I was trying to establish residency out there for six months, get into the academy and all sorts of stuff. So I was like, okay, my, my, my small little Massachusetts uh, retirement at 26 isn't going to go very far in California, Orange County. Um, so it lasted probably two weeks. And I was like, okay, I need a job. And I started telemarketing for a mortgage company. And what I realized was, man, I'm using my counseling skills on the phone with people talking about their story with their biggest, with their biggest debt, liability, and asset at the same time, their house. So I was like, this is great. They're pouring into me. I want to help them. And this, it was just a natural fit. And within a couple of months, you know, when, when the Academy was about to start, I said, I'm all set. I love this business. It's a passion of mine. And, and so that's how I get in 25 years ago into, into mortgage business. And then I, I migrated back to Massachusetts. Oh my gosh. What an industry to be in. <laughs> I mean, you've seen a lot through the years. Still, still seen a lot, yeah. It's, it's still, it's still such an interesting thing, you know. Um, yeah. But you're, you know, you're right about the way that uh, it helps people. I, I became like, I feel best friends with my mortgage <laughs> office yeah. in my most recent um, sure. investment purchase because I tell you what, we're on the freaking phone like five times a day. I mm -hmm. feel like. Now we're we're like hanging out and having yeah. the most wonderful relationship, but it it is you have to be able to establish such a trust because people are telling you things they probably don't even tell their friends and family because nobody talk wants to talk about their finances, right? It's such a private thing and it's such a vulnerable place. And like you said, the biggest purchase that anyone ever does. So it's kind of a yeah, and you start to learn. You learn things about people that you you really. I mean, just having we can talk and have fun with it in general terms. But like, you see where they're spending their money on a daily basis. Like, dude, stay out of strip club, or yeah. you know, let's because you're saving money. Let's let's keep those dollar bills for your down payment. Let's you know, stay out of the bar. Let's you know, stop 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 eating you know McDonald's twice a day every single day. It's bad for your health and it's bad for for your uh, lack of down payment. <laughs> Everything else, you know. So it's just like. 
it's a it's a lot of those things but you know you're you're coaching you're coaching people on what you're seeing in in, in their pro, in their profile you, you know so it's it's interesting it's so it's so fascinating yeah but you know i think i one of the things i i've been thinking of in, in chatting with you is like it's been such such a road obviously where you are your your kids you know see you and i'm sure they're so inspired by you is what's what is next you know what what is next for you as you look ahead and what are the kinds of things that your kids ask you about you know their own their their own stories and where they're headed i'm always curious about that yeah my my son he's uh he's 23 just graduated college so he's helping me manage some of my properties you know um which is kind of cool but he's still figuring out his thing and there's no pressure for him to do anything in 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 the way of what I do, you know, he can, he wants to do what he wants to do. It's fine. My daughter's a freshman in college. My youngest is still a uh, junior in high school, but my two oldest, uh, my, my son, Cameron and my daughter, Aiden, we're doing the Providence marathon for make a wish um, on May 7th. And I'm just like incredibly like, it's going to be the highlight of my year because we've been, so in the mortgage space since 2006, I've donated, every single month to, to make a wish. And we've raised well over $500,000 um, to make wishes 2006. And that's because of the proceeds that we donate. Like I donate that money. And so that was important because of my upbringing where, you know, I tried to do everything that I was, that was bestowed on me in the opposite direction. Like, okay, you're super cheap. I need to give generously. I'm having success. I need to give back and make a difference and, and not try to put, pocket all this money and it's just yielded me uh, an incredible lifestyle but that's the that's the legacy piece so the legacy building has been been ongoing and I'm trying just to lay that foundation um, for my kids and it's it's like you know you guys are gonna do this marathon for make wish and like how good is that gonna feel to make a difference raise money raise awareness and what what 19 year old or 23 year old is doing something like that not many I didn't do that I didn't start doing doing the charitable work until, you know, I hit 30, you know, I didn't figure it out. I, and I was, I was probably tight myself because I, I didn't know about the legacy, the legacy thing. So that's, that's really where, you know, I want this, want this to go. I've been fortunate and been in the right place at the right time a lot of times. And, and I think my mindset has created a lot of that. I'm, I'm just a regular dude that works hard. Right. And I got lucky with some of the paths I chose because I could have easily gone down that wrong path per the ACE test results right so some things have happened happened to me and for me that i know i need to still try to get better every day and try to make a difference at the same time and that's so we're on, we're on a legacy we're on legacy building time right now that's amazing well i'm just and the fact that your your kids are a part of it they're they're right in there they're they're in the action with you uh because you're you know, you're teaching them so much more about life beyond just, you know, acquiring things and becoming successful. It really is about service, sure what you do and what, what you give. And I think it, what, it's amazing what you've done with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um, and I think, you know, when we are in service, you it changes the way that you look at the world and, the way, and, and, and what motivates you to do what you do every day, because it's not just about you. Right. 
and that's and that's the thing and that and that is a shift i think that it takes that maturity and experience to to realize is that when it becomes not just about you then your purpose and your your energy to serve that purpose becomes much greater yeah i think is is great so speaking of um you know greatness and change one of the things that i've appreciated is that we're we're technically i don't feel it yet but technically we're in spring vegas is confused about what that actually means at the moment it's <laughs> having some schizophrenic ideas <laughs> at the moment but what what do you like about the spring season what are you looking forward to as we've now moved past winter well in massachusetts we definitely welcome the, the warmer weather the spring weather i mean you know it, it, training indoors is not fun either so it's good to get outside um and you know, in the mortgage space and real estate world, it's when it opens up in the Northeast, you know, March, April is when you start to see business happen again. So that's always, that's always cool to see in our, in our business. And it's just, you, we were talking about, you know, talking about affect. I mean, doesn't, doesn't everybody's affect change during the springtime? You know, it's like people are happier. You see kids on the field, you see parents outside walking, you know, you know, I've seen more people walk by right now that you and I are doing their afternoon strolls right now. So it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's nice to see that happen. Um, you know, springtime, it's, we can't remember, we can't forget that in the winter though. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I totally agree. So success principles, Bill, if you had to say the, the one success principle that you live by, what, what would that be? Oh, there's so many. Um, the one that helped me transform is a success principle, and you probably aren't thinking this way, and I can change it up, but the one that has transformed me is in Jack Canfield's 52 principles, right? And it's I think it's number one, and it's take 100% responsibility for everything you respond to in your life. And that alleviates the blame game when things aren't going right and you're able to say you know what that's on me let's fix this let's go and then you're able to be that much more productive later on but when you start saying oh i knew this was going to happen this this bad thing happened and i'm blaming you 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 and i'm going to start selling everybody out down the road and you spend all day just passing the buck and you're not productive so when you're able to take that 100% responsibility for everything that you respond to, it's going to change how quickly you move on and solve the problem or how you solve the problem and move on. And then how you're able to be more productive by just getting rid of that. So it, it's been key to me because, you know, I try to have these conversations with just some of my younger staff, you know, just own it. Don't duck, don't hide, take responsibility and let's move on. Yeah. Oh man. That is tough. That is tough, right? Because a lot of times when you're when you when you don't have that seasonality, it's just easier to to blame someone else for the things that are going on, right? But yeah. it does. It does change things when you can go, you know, the only thing you can control in any situation is yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't so control true. anything else. So you can you can choose to change yourself and the things how you show up. Um and that and that 
right there in and of itself is going to make a big a big difference. Absolutely. Ron, I'm very curious about this because, you know, we started when I was telling you about this podcast, I said, you know, my, my goal is to help people overcome their self-limiting beliefs you know, through these stories. So I, I want to know what's self-limiting belief that you've had to overcome. Uh, Self-doubt, unworthiness, feeling less than mm -hmm. uh, my whole life, my whole life. I still battle imposter syndrome to this day. Like I still have to get through it. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, like you know, I do martial arts and I'm a second degree black belt, and I'm on the I'm on the mats with some of these guys and gals, and I'm like, all right, do I belong here? And you know, yeah, I belong here. Of course, I belong. You know, because I trained, I worked, I did. You know, and even even in these competitions, and you know, like I got, I was in the pool this morning training in my swim, and I have little ladies blown past me, and and just like I just got to deal with it. They're just way better swimmers than me you just know, or, swimmer. what you well doing? i mean it's you know I, I, it's just it's you, you gotta you, you gotta stop taking yourself so serious right and I, I just like i'm competitive but i'm like all right yeah you know the 75 year old lady just kicked my butt in the pool and deal with it you know great swimmer you know just motivating so, well yeah i guess yeah with my tail between my legs i guess it certainly is um <laughs> Oh, sure. Man. Yeah, that's I I I feel that constantly when I see when I see both young and old people, you know, in 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 um, physical settings doing things that I'm sitting in my head going like, uh, I don't even know if I'm going to attempt that. <laughs> Preparation I feel helps with limiting beliefs. The more you prepare for something that you set out to, it's going to help alleviate some of those things that have you stuck or have you thinking that you're not worthy or your self-doubt prepare 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 and get as many people to lift you up along the way and coach you and research and write your affirmations visualize your success like journal do all those things and it will help you get through some of the limiting beliefs that you have yeah oh that's so good Bill, if there was one last piece of advice that you could give, what would it be? I would I would go back to um, make sure that the self-care is happening. And that's start with your, your self-love, <laughs> forgiveness of yourself, and, you know, your personal self-care. Um, because if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. And I heard, I heard a quote and it was, you know, we have, when we're healthy, we have a thousand dreams. And when we're not, we have one. And I, I just think that's so powerful. Man, that'll hit you in the face. Yeah. About that. Right. Yeah. Wow. It's so true. It is so true. I mean, if any, any of us, and I'm sure COVID sort of oh, maybe yeah. helped us to learn that if for anybody who was faced with COVID or some other kind of sickness, it's like it, you realize how much you feel like yeah. you when you're not, when you're not at your best. Right. Right. So true. Boy. Well, how can people find you follow the work that you do? Yeah. Um, so thriving in the storm is a website, driving They can get, our blogs, our, our podcasts. We have a lot of good podcasts like yours on there and can't wait for yours to get released and uploaded and we'll share that. And, um, you know, you, they can get the book anywhere books are sold or they can get it through our uh, online platform along with a workbook with exercise. Some of the things we've talked about today, they can use um, that's on that website. Oh, this is so awesome. 
I know I needed this today. <laughs> it's, wow. You know, it's that definitely I feel like it's gotten into that point in the week where I, I'm feeling like a little whew, and and it really it's amazing. And and this is this just goes to the point of this whole episode, this conversation and, and just a perfect example of overcoming diversity is energy matters. It does. You know, with with one negative conversation, you could just want to take a nap and forget about the rest of your whole day. You know, and one one burst of energy that gives you some hope yeah. and inspiration to keep going will will help you to power through and go, wait, let me get back to my purpose. Let me do this because it's you know, we, we have those pivot points all day long. Yeah. We have these little paths that are forming all the time where we could go down any one of these channels. And so, you know, I would encourage people, you know, listening to this episode as we close to is to is to choose wisely, right? Is it yeah. You choose the people that you're having and engaging conversations with because it can, it can make or break, you know, your energy. In, in Absolutely. A, so thank, thank you for helping mine. <laughs> well, thank you, Coach Des. You brought it out. <laughs> Appreciate you. Thank you so Same much. Here. Same here. Episode 150 in the books with Bill Murphy. He is a mortgage closer extraordinaire author, motivator, success coach, so many things, marathoner, ultra, ultra mega everything. I am so impressed. So impressed. I, I can't even explain to you. This podcast is a gift that keeps on giving. I, I, I'm such an encourager of people listening to podcasts because everyone think about the evolution of the world that we're in. If you, regardless of what age you are, although I think if you're a little older, you might be able to appreciate it just a touch more. We didn't have access to this kind of information for free, free, F-R-E-E, free before. And at, at our fingertips are such profound just stories of knowledge and experience that people pour in to others to help them on their journeys. And I just think that's such a beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, I just, I just want to say to anyone that's out there who is going through an adversity is to recognize what it is that you need right now because one of the things that Bill and I shared with is behaviors that on the outside don't look like something that is detrimental but can be and that's a scary and potentially dangerous place to be just because someone doesn't show up in their affect and their behavior as having an addiction like drugs like sex like alcohol what whatever pick your addiction topic um it can show up in ways that look in disguise like a good thing bill and i being workaholics at one point in our life like devoting ourselves to that was just a cover for the things that we were not dealing with. You know, to admit that in his 40s, he checked in somewhere because of his depression is a difficult thing to do. 
It took me until 40 to be able to express the things that I have to you on this show related to my own journey and my own beliefs. So it is not an easy road to take to confess your honest and most true self, but I believe that in that is where your greatness lies, is in that self-acceptance. And I think Bill said it so beautifully, it's in the forgiveness. What do you need to forgive yourself for? What might you need to forgive others for to help you truly heal Heal those wounds so you can gain the momentum and that forward movement that you want in your life right now. I'm going to leave you with that. I hope that this episode was inspiring. I highly encourage you to go check out Bill's book, which is five-star rated and uh, just will be so helpful if you pour, if you let it pour into you. Once again, it's called Thriving in the Storm, Nine Principles to Help You Overcome Any Adversity by Bill Murphy. You could get it on the website that'll be in the show notes, anywhere you get books, and uh, let that inspire you. Remember that you are your only limit, so take action today. And I will see you next time on the next inspiring and spring-filled episode of the Born Unbreakable podcast. Thanks, everyone.